So let me just say, uh, if you're wondering what that smell is, they just redid the floor on the other side of the room. It's the dance studio that we have called Blessed Feet Dance, and uh, that's what's happening. So the semester starts, I think, like next week or something like that, right? I don't know. Does anyone, Becca, when does it start? Next week? It does start next week. So they're refinishing the floor, getting it all ready for that. So that's why if you got a little bit high when you came in, that's just what happened. You know what I'm saying? What did I just say? I don't know. I thought it was a Lord, but a different Lord. Okay. And then the other, <laughs> I'm rude. Oh man. Okay. Let's, I'm digging a hole already. There was something else I was going to say, but I can't remember now because I'm a little woozy. No, I, I'm sorry. I have fun. There was something I was going to say, but I can't remember. What was it, Dom? What was it? Revival. <laughs> uh, yes. All right. So, hey, welcome, everybody. I'm excited to be here tonight. And, I, you know, I, it's, just, it's good to have you all back. Like Dom said, it's good to have new faces here tonight. And so uh, just a reminder and just to re-kind of visit, like, what we're about, what we do. This obviously is the young adult group, the college age group of Summit Church, and our mission statement is leading people to new heights through mobilizing young revivalists. Everyone say revivalists. And this is, this is our hope, that we would lead you to new heights. That just means that you would go further, that you would go higher, that you would go deeper than you ever thought you could with God and in your life and your destiny and your purpose. And, and specifically through mobilizing. Mobilize literally means to prepare for action. And young revivalists, that's you. Revivalists literally means people who bring the life, the love, and the freedom of Jesus Christ everywhere they go. And they impact atmospheres because God lives inside of you. And this is what we do to train every week. This is our heart, that as you follow Jesus, that you would bring his hope into every realm of influence that you have. Are you with me for that? Like, are you, are you guys on board for that tonight? This is like what we're doing. We want to mobilize you for that. And so tonight we're starting a series called, uh, like it's on identity. It's called Introducing. Just look at your neighbor and say, Introducing. Introducing. It's, and so it's, it's about identity. And the thing is like, it's so important for us, especially in this age. I, okay, let me, let me just back up. Because uh, some of y'all think that I, I go to college, but I don't. I'm going to be 32 in a month or two. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to throw that out there. And I just had a baby. You know what I'm saying? And that was my wife on the drums, and she's hot. So that's that was what was happening. Anyway, uh, I got lost for a second there. <laughs> but identity. Okay, let's, here's the deal. Like, it's so important at this time to discover who you are. And it's a process, like, it's, it's a process. Like, it's not like a one-time thing, like, oh, I know who I am, I'm done with that, and moving on. It's a process of discovering who you are. That's why we change majors all the time. That's why we do this stuff, because we're discovering. Everyone say discover. It is so important for us to discover who we are and get rooted in our identity. But it starts with knowing who God is. Because God is creator of all things. And so here, here's the deal. Let, let me just, let's just try this out. What comes to mind, and you're just going to shout it out. We're, gonna, we're taking it back to youth group days. I was a youth pastor for six, six years, and we just shouted things out all the time. Even things that didn't make sense in the middle of a deep moment. So, you know, it was like, you know, we, let's take it back to youth group. And here's the deal. What is the first words, or what are the things that come to mind when you think about God? Shout it out. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. We don't, we don't. <laughs> We're not doing the kids' church answer. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. If that's the, if that was a real, oh. okay. If it, if Jesus really is the first thing that you think about, that's cool. 
What else? What else? What else? Someone said really big. Creator. What'd you say? <laughs> oh, okay. What else? What else? Shout it out. What? what? Church. Okay. Now you don't want to say any. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. Someone else. Shout it. Just shout it. Just awesome. What else? All powerful. Okay accepting now we're getting deep we just did you feel that we feel that we just dropped down to a level of deepness right there like i don't want to say anything after that you know daddy she said daddy come on what's it worthy i like that faith okay i like that the cross friend anyone else love all right so this is the message y'all are good amen uh here's the deal there's a there's a there's a pastor like theologian author guy named A.W. Tozer. And some of you guys have heard of him. This is what he said. So powerful. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. This is from a book called The Knowledge of the Holy. If you read the, the context of it, it is awesome. But for this, for the sake of tonight, we're reading this one uh, line out of his book, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Why is that true? I believe it is true because you will live out whatever image of God that you have. And you will approach God based on who you believe him to be. Oh, we got deep again. Come on. We, you will live out whatever image you have of God, whether it's true or whether it's not true, you will live out whoever you believe God to be. I, I, we, we, had a, we have a relative in our family that we, one time we went to, we went to Denny's. Hey, we went to Denny's, not for Dom and David's Bible study, I'm sorry, but for another thing. And we were hanging out there one time and uh, it was, it was rough, man. I'm telling you, the, the, the conversation kind of started getting a little heated because how many understand that, you know, talking about God with people, uh, it can either go one of two ways. You know, you, you either have to be really humble and accept that people don't, uh, agree with you on things, or it's going to be a conflict. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like either you eat humble pie or you're about to get into a brawl. You know what I'm saying? It's just only one of two paths, you know, or maybe some more, but okay. This, this started getting a little heated and it was a little wild. And, and, uh, I remember we made some kind of reference. Uh, he made some kind of reference to this bumper sticker that said, Jesus is coming back soon. And boy, is he pissed off. And we went off and he started talking about this bumper sticker. And I was like, I, I, either it was a bumper sticker or I had a thought about it. This is, this, is, this is years ago. And I remember just thinking like, wow, this guy's perception is really kind of, he, he's got kind of an angry God perception going on here. And you can tell it by the way he's talking about God. You can tell it by the way he's projecting who God is. And he started talking about the anger of God and God is all this. And I just started realizing like, wait a second. You, who, whatever you think about, however you perceive God to be is how you're going to represent him to the world. And, and I started realizing like, wow. And not only that, you will actually approach God. So it's not even just what you're projecting to the world. You will actually approach God based on who you believe him to be. And so, so if you believe he's an angry God, then you're walking on eggshells around him. Are you with me on this? If you, if you believe he's a, a, a kind of God who's not really interested and in kind of ignoring you, then, then you're gonna be really desperate trying to get his attention. 
by maybe doing good works for him or by maybe singing louder and shouting louder, which I enjoy thoroughly singing louder and shouting louder, but the reason behind it has to be, you know, better than just trying to get something from God. It's to give worship and honor to God, and, and in that he responds with his presence. But, man, it, it's so, if we, we, we will approach God based on who you believe him to be. And if you have a Bible, I want you just to check this out in First Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 1. It's the very beginning of this letter. So, so here's context. The Apostle Paul is this, like, amazing, amazing man of God. He had a gnarly encounter with God. God transforms his life, turns his life literally uh, like 180 degrees around. Now he's, you know, he was persecuting the Christian church, and now he's like gung-ho for it, writing, you know, books in the Bible type of deal. And he has a spiritual son in his life named Timothy. And S- Timothy is like really dear to him, and, and he's like, you know, I would say uh, one of his favorites. And this is what he says. He, so he's writing his letter, and he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope. And then he says this in verse 2. To Timothy, my true son in the faith. Now listen, listen. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Ah, you missed it. He said, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father. The very first thing, he said, here's the deal. I'm going to write you some stuff, Timothy. I'm going to teach you how, because you, so here's the deal. Paul planted a church in, in the city called Ephesus. Timothy was now the apostle and the pastor over this church. And so now Paul's traveling around, visiting all the places and the churches that he started. He's overseeing them. He's helping them. And then he writes this letter to this, his spiritual son named Timothy. He says, I'm going to give you some instructions. I'm going to help you, you know, how to be a pastor. I'm going to help you how to teach people. I'm going to help you, you know, overcome some of your fears and insecurities, all this stuff. But before... I give you affirmation, correction, or direction. I have to tell you this. I want you to know that God is coming to you first with grace, mercy, and peace. And you will approach God based on who you believe him to be. So it's very important for me to let you know that grace, mercy, and peace is coming to you first. Everything I say, God the Father is sending grace, mercy, and peace before everything I say because I want you to know that that's how he views you and that's who he is to you and this is God. Grace, mercy, and peace before I tell you any correction. So that way you know that my correction is not a slight on your identity and not a slight on how I feel about you. It's actually an empowerment to tell you like, oh, you're way better than that. Here, let me lift up the level of who you can actually be. Are you following what I'm saying tonight? The very first thing he says, before he tells him anything that he needs to do, anything that he needs to be, anything that he needs to correct, he says, grace, mercy, and peace is coming from God to you. And you need to know that God is first coming to you with grace, mercy, and peace. Come on, have you ever been afraid of of dad? You know what I'm saying? Like I remember one time, my sister and I were fighting, uh, and we, we lived in these apartments on Breeze Hill in Vista by the courthouse, and I, I can remember it still. And you know, like on the deadbolt lock where, you know, if you go, you know, let's say the door's open, you open it, and it's like this big metal piece hanging out on the side, you know what I'm saying, on the deadbolt? Well, one time I was like, I think I was running from one of my sister's friends, because uh, this was, it was, long story short, this is a battle going on, and, uh, and I, or, or she was running out the door, and I slammed the door, but the deadbolt was still hanging out. So it took a chunk out the side of the wall. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, slammed the chunk right out the wall. And I was like, oh, man, dad is going to kill me. You know, like, and then my sister, you know, she didn't help. She just reinforced the fact that I was going to die in about three hours when dad's coming home. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I was so afraid. And, man, I was freaking out. And, I'm, and, and so dad comes home. 
we don't say nothing. We, 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 we're, not, we're not saying anything because, I, you know, my dad's a third degree or sixth degree black belt, you know, in Hawaiian something and a third degree black belt in Taekwondo. You don't mess with dad. You know what I'm saying? And it's not like he's going to karate chop me and, you know, break my bones in three places. He ain't going to do that. But it puts a certain fear in you. You don't know what I'm saying? And so, you know, the thing is, is that dad comes home. This whole thing happens. There's a chunk missing out the side of the door frame. And we don't say anything. We pretend like nothing's happened. We're just watching TV. You know, my little brother watched Aladdin like probably three times a day for like six months straight. So I could probably quote it to you. And The Lion King. That's probably why you hear it so much here on Thursday nights because I watch it every day forever. We're just sitting there watching TV, you know, doing our thing. And then, and then dad's like, hey, what happened? What happened to the door? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I, yeah, I don't know, dad. And literally, dude, I was so afraid. I did not tell him until at least seven years later. <laughs> until he moved out the apartment. <laughs> Anyone been afraid like that before? I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it's real. It happens. You know what I'm saying? Anyone ever been afraid of a police officer? You know, any, you know after I got saved, I had a... Had my <laughs> My fear of police officers slowly went all the way away because, because anytime a police officer would get behind me when I'm driving my car, my heart would just explode like with fear because I'd be like, oh, crap, what am I doing wrong? Because I used to do things wrong, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> then I got saved, and slowly but surely the things, you know, faded away. But I mean, I'm telling you, so have, you have, have any of us been afraid of a professor? Have any of us been hurt by a friend? Come on. Heard gossip about somebody? All of these things affect the way you see the person involved in the situation. And just like our perceptions of people affect how we relate to them, our perception of God hugely impacts how we relate to God and how we receive from Him. And so to, to, to take a line from one of my good friends, Johnson Doan, it would behoove us then to get a true point of view of who God really is. Amen. I love what we just sang earlier. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased, and I'm never alone. That's truth. It's a lot of things people talk about. I've heard a lot of things. If you click on the TV, you can click on whatever it is, all kinds of, you can Google all kinds of trash. But there's a truth in the midst of it all, who God really is. And so Paul's saying, hey, man, Timothy, before I get into the, the nitty-gritty, I want to tell you that God is sending grace, mercy, and peace. Sorry, that was a deep moment, and I killed it, but it's cool. So here's what I want to do. I want to spend the rest of our time speaking of at least four things that God has revealed himself to be. At least four things. There is dozens upon dozens upon dozens upon dozens. In heaven, they keep singing the same song because they keep seeing a different side of God for eternity that never gets old. I mean, I, I, we, don't have, we don't have enough time to talk about this, you know, for every single thing. But at least four things that God has revealed himself to be. And the first thing is God is creator. God is creator. And, and if we go back to the very first verse of the very first book and the very first in the Bible. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's, let's read that together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And we're going we're gonna to do a little popcorn throughout the Psalms here tonight. So, Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. Come on, man. When God breathes, galaxies come out. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Psalm 147, verses 4 and 5. He counts the stars and calls them all by name. Come on with that. Verse 5, how great is our Lord. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. He is the uncreated, incomprehensible, magnificent God. This is God. He is creator. He counts stars. He knows how many stars there are right now. He knows how many hairs are on your head. And that number actually fluctuates if you know about this stuff. You lose hairs and you grow hairs pretty frequently. And God knows exactly the numbers of hair that are on your head. God is creator. And so we look at this and we go like, what in the world? There is, you look outside, you know, and you look up to the heavens. He's, God knows every single one of those specks in the sky and he has a name for each one of them. That's wild to me. Like you look at the universe, you see the things like the Grand Canyon or some of you guys have been to Yosemite, you've seen the, the, the uh, what, what's that thing, Half Dome. You know that's on the back of your computer screen on MacBooks. Where's my MacBook people at? You know what I'm saying? The Yosemite iOS or not iOS, OS X. I don't know what I'm talking about. That's why I don't do computers and I do church stuff. Okay, anyway, that doesn't make sense. Anyway, uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Has anyone actually been to Half Dome before in Yosemite? It is gnarly. I've hiked up. It is, it is actually a 19-mile uh, tri- hike round trip from the bottom all the way to the top of that thing. And you can actually climb up Half Dome, and there's ropes that you have to get up, and you sit there, and you can literally look over the edge of that cliff that's on, the, in the, on that screen. It is gnarly. One of my friends, actually, they did this for a youth group, and one of my friends laid down on the edge of the Half Dome, put his legs like this on the edge, and took a nap. I'm like, bro, dude, you yeah, I probably had like 18 angels, right? Just like, oh, watch it. You know? <laughs> it's beautiful, though. It is the most beautiful place. And the forest that I've seen and all those, you know, all these places. We, we've had the privilege to travel around the world and see nations and, and see the Philippines and see Costa Rica and see in Mexico and see Uganda. I mean, Uganda, yes, there's, there's definitely third world places, but it is beautiful. And we've seen South Africa, and we've seen Swaziland, and we've seen nations, and we've seen the Lord. I mean, you don't have to actually just be there. There is something different about it. But, like, God created all this stuff. The Grand Canyon, God created this stuff. And the heavens, God created all this. This is who God is. But I love what St. Augustine says. He says, Men go abroad to admire the heights of mountains, the mighty ways of the sea, the broad tides of rivers, the compass of the ocean, and the circuits of the stars yet pass over the mystery of themselves without a thought. And the beauty of it is the same God who created and flung the stars into being, and when he breathed out, galaxies were formed, is the same God who made you. And David, in Psalm 139, verse 14, he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. This is God, and this is David responding to creator God. That's an amazing statement. If you look at this, and if you go a little bit deeper, the word uh, uh, fearfully means really intricately made, and wonderfully means very distinguished. There's nobody like you. 
And he says, marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. Like I know, like I, I'm confident that I'm designed by a creator. I'm confident that when I look at myself, I see an amazing creation of God. But when God created man, he said, it was very good. You can read that later in Genesis. He didn't, you know, after he made the heavens, he said, it's good. After he made the animals, he said, it's good. After he made, you know, all the creeping things on the earth, he said, it's good. And the birds there, it's good. And then when he made you, he said, it's very good. It's just God. This is, this is God as creator. He made us. He formed us. And what I love about this, the implications of our lives of God being creator are at least two things. At least two things. One of them is that you are amazing. Yeah, you're amazing. It's like, Mufasa, say it again, Mufasa. There it is. It came out again. I attribute that to my little brother on that VHS Lion King every day. Do you guys know what VHS is? No. I'm just, I'm just playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. Not, I'm not that old, all right. I, I, we had it in youth group. Someone asked me what a cassette tape was, and I cried inside. But anyway, we're going to move on. I, I just think it's so wild that we actually, we, have, we just know, like, if God had created us and he made all this stuff, and then we look at us and we look in the mirror and think that we're just not really, no, we're not anything to be boasting about. David actually found a reason to praise God when he looked into the mirror or let's say the lake. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't know if they had mirrors. You're right? In the looking glass. David found a reason to praise God when he looked at himself. That's, that's wild stuff. That's like, that's like looking at, I'm here, let me say this. My wife just had a baby two months ago. And let me just say this without being graphic and being weird. The human body is gnarly. <laughs> That's all. I'm telling you, your body, like, let's just, let me just say this. Without, I mean, there's a lot of ladies in the room, so one day you'll experience this. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, you'll, you'll go through this. You got kids, you're going to go through this. You'll find out that God designed your body so intricately that you can actually sustain a newborn. Like, you, your body actually creates sustainability for your baby. That doesn't happen by accident. That's not like some primordial soup just mixed it together and over a million years, like, bada-bing, bada-boom, you can make babies and they stay alive. You know, like, what? I, I don't want to go detailed, okay? But you, you, know where, you know what I'm saying? I learned a lot about, you know, humanity in the last two months. And I'm honestly blown away. Like I was, when we were sitting in the hospital, cause we, we stayed there overnight one night and we're sitting there and I was honestly blown away. Like we made this? I'm, I, just follow with me. You'll be there one day, trust me. And I'm like, these eyeballs are connected to his brain and they actually can see things. <laughs> Call me crazy, but I was blown away, man. I was literally blown away. Like we, this is awesome. He has a stomach that works. <laughs> All of these details, it's just wild. And I, I was looking up some facts about this. I don't know if you know this, but did you know that, this is, this is not baby talk, but this is like just random 
you, when you hug somebody and it's like a real hug, your body actually releases a chemical called oxytocin and it's a trust hormone and it's a bonding chemical. Your body just does that. That's how God made your body. You're amazing. You're like really amazing. The way you were made, you're like, yeah, but I don't like my nose. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got this thing. I'm like, no, 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 you're amazing. Like, <laughs> I'm, let me just break this down. Let me, let, me, let me just break this down just a little bit to let you know where I'm coming from on this. Like, I, when, I got, when I was a freshman in high school, I had the worst acne in this whole school. Like, let me just, I'm not even, I'm kind of exaggerating, but only like that much, like only a little bit. And I'm telling you, like, I had names, and people call me names. They call me things like crater face and things, you know, like, you know, just interesting. And I had glasses that were really thick. And so, uh, so I was crater face and goggles. That was, those were my names when I was growing up. It's okay. You can laugh. I know you want to. It's okay. <laughs> but, you, uh, you know, if you don't want to, then you're maybe a little more holy than the other people. No. Again. Again, I did it again. I'm sorry. But, like, um, this is what I grew up when I, when, in my skateboarding years. I get to high school. I still have my, high, my photo ID from freshman year. It is it's an interesting picture. Let me just say. And right here. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm a new creation. Old has passed away. No. And let me just tell you, my acne cleared up, and I actually didn't really have any scars. Praise the Lord. But you want to know what happened right after that? I started growing this thing called a beard. And th <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and this started growing out, and guess what? I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw it out there. Hair, like woolly mammoth all over this place. I got rid of the acne, and it re got replaced with hair. Like, I'm talking about exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ask or think of. <laughs> I know you all didn't want to hear this, but I'm going somewhere. <laughs> like... <laughs> TMI, TMI, does he know what those letters mean? And I, I was like, it was wild. So I'd be like going to the beach, taking my shirt up, about to go in the water. I'd be like, oh, why are you wearing your sweater to the beach? <laughs> you know, all kinds of things. Like, you know, all kind. you name it, I've heard every single joke that has to go with it. Like, I'm, I'm just letting you know, you can feel sorry for me later or something. But like, <laughs> and you know, I had to come to grips that I'm actually amazing. Hey, and even if you don't think it, I'm amazing. And I, and I found out that I can actually talk like David talked. David, man after God's own heart, God approved of this guy and, and, and approved of this in the Holy Spirit inspired him to write Psalm 139, 14. I praise you because I am intricately and, and unique and create, God, you created the deepest part to me and marvelous are your works. That's how he used to describe himself. Marvelous are your works. And the second part is so important. And that my soul knows very well. And so I just flipped it around and just said, I'm going to take it as a promise. I got a lot of hair. I'm just going to take that as like God's just teaching me how he's abundantly going to provide for everything. You know, I just had to flip it around. Like God's exceedingly abundantly beyond all that I can ask or think. And I just realized that I'm amazing because I'm created by God. I'm not being prideful. It's called humble confidence. It's confidence because I know who I am. And it's humble because God's the one who made me like that. And I take no credit in it. I just say, hallelujah, I'm amazing. You with me on this? You hear the proper context, right? Like I'm not going around like, you know, tooting my own horn and, and all this stuff. I'm just trying to say like, this is how we have to think of ourselves. If God is our creator, 
then it, then it implies that we're amazing because everything God makes is amazing. When, when Jesus was on the earth, he did a miracle and did something, and this is what they said. They said, you do all things well. I wonder if we could not just look at the Grand Canyon, not just look at the galaxies, not just look at the forest, but actually look in the mirror and say, God, you, you do all things well. You make really good things. You make really good things. The other implication of God being creator is that we actually have purpose. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. This, this is so important because like I was saying earlier, if you were just the result of some random happenstance through millions of years, then you might as well just call yourself an accident. If that's what we're gonna believe, because that requires no intelligent design behind your existence. You're just existing. But when we understand that God is creator, it releases purpose to us. It's like God made something. So this is the way I think about it. The, the invention always has to go back to the inventor in, in order to know what it was invented for. The invention always has to go back to the inventor in order to know what it was invented for. And that means we get to go back to creator and say, God, what did you create me for? What's my purpose? What's my destiny? Why am I on this earth? And I can say this for everyone in the room. Our number one purpose is to have relationship with God. This is number one purpose. But outside of this, God, did you know this? God set up man to, to be in charge of the earth. You can read this in Genesis 1 and Psalm 115. You can see it all over. He said, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he's given to man. And so you also, have a, you also have a part in bringing the kingdom of God to earth. And whatever gifting, whatever talents, whatever purposes you have, it's somewhat, somewhat it might be art, somebody it might be being you know, in the nursing field and teaching field, whatever it is, you have a talent and you have a purpose and you have a destiny. And your job is number one, to have a relationship with God, but you also have a unique gifting, a unique purpose to release the kingdom of God on earth so that people can see the face of God in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a purpose. I love this because in, 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 in all of this, God created us, not because he needed us. Can, let me just say this. Like God didn't create us because he was insecure and he had all this cool stuff and he had no one to share it with and he was like bored and all this. God didn't create us out of insecurity and out of need. He created us out of generosity and out of love because oh, this is amazing stuff. I have to share it with somebody. Adam. Oh, I'll make him the wife called Eve and they're going to have an awesome time. God created us so we could share in the joy that he was already having before we ever came. He's a creator. And I love this because as creator, that means he knows you inside and out, just like the inventor knows all the details of his invention. God knows you and every detail about your life. Some of you were here on Sunday, but we were at a, a, a church service on Saturday night and this prophetic guy named Sean Bowles uh, called out Rochelle and I, told us what our son's name was. He doesn't know us, he never met us. He's standing up here and says, okay, Andrew and Rochelle? We're like, yeah. Yes, God picked us. You know, like, and then he's like, Hunter, what, is, what does Hunter mean? Oh, that's, that's our son. You know, and then he's like, and then I, 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 I was at this conference called the Summit. What does Summit mean to you? I'm like, that's where we go to church. And he's like, and then he tells me, he says, and then I see that you're like a musical family of leaders. And then, and then, and then he says, so what do you do at the church? I'm like, um, the, the worship pastor. 
all, you know, it's like all of this stuff. And then he actually calls out my home phone number, which I don't even know. My home phone number. Let me break this down to you. Uh, when you buy cable from Cox, sometimes it's cheaper when you get the phone, the internet, and the cable all in one package. And so we just got the home phone. Did we ever hook up the home phone? Ain't nobody got time for home phones. You know what I'm saying? We don't do home phone. We don't even, we didn't even plug anything. I don't even own a home phone. I don't have to spend money on a home phone. I got a cell phone, you know? And so there was a number, 798-1946. And he says, what does that mean to you? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I looked it up later. I was like, dude, he got my home phone number. <laughs> I know it's crazy. He doesn't know me. I never met him before. I've heard about him. I've seen him before in other meetings, but he doesn't know me. He called out our name, our son's name. He called out our church name, what we do, and he called out my home phone number. Why is that? Just so that we could just like, you know, have some, you know, circus entertainment? No way. So that I feel really known and I feel really loved by God because of out of a whole group, there's only eight people he did this to. And God called me and my wife and my awesome son out to say, hey, I know you. I know who you are. I know what you're doing. That's what creators do. They know every detail of your life. You're like, well, yeah, God loves me. No, 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 no. Like, let me tell you, this is how much he loves you. He knows my home phone number that I don't even know. <laughs> it was wild, man. I felt so loved. I felt so loved at the end of that meeting. It was, it was amazing. And he took, he made time to make me feel known. Number two, God is good. Number one is God is creator, but number two, God is good. Psalm 136, one, verse one says, give thanks to the Lord for he is, everyone say it. He's good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 119, 68, David says to God, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is, he's good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Good. It's something that's pleasant, something that's excellent, something that's valuable. It's good. Everyone say Good. <laughs> With that little rasp, you know. Real simple, okay, like real simple, but this gets mixed up a lot. God is good, the devil is bad, and it's so simple. And sometimes we mix things up and we say that God caused things like 9-11 and kills a bunch of people. Like, are you kidding me? Do you remember, it's like, like Jesus said, I come to give life and life more abundantly, but God killed a whole bunch of people in America because they sin a lot. But like, that is just not making sense. And people blame God for the things that the devil's doing all the time. It's so, so simple. If we would just go real simple, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and life abundantly. So here we go. God is good. The devil is bad. Core. Oh yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's do that, Gabe. Thank you. God is good. The devil is bad. I know that's like, we feel like we're, we're in kids' church and stuff, but this is, this, is, this is so, so important for us to catch. That at the core of God's nature, he's good. And everything he is, is good. I, like, here, here's the deal. We were, I was, uh, some of you guys know this because I was sharing it with you, but I was prayer walking through the dorms a couple weeks ago, and I r happened to run into one of our, one of our friends here uh, named Pearl, and her, her family was out there, and I was like, dude, Pearl, like, because they just dropped her off, and school's, you know, about to start the next day, the whole thing. And uh, so I was like, dude, introduce me to your family. So I went over there and, and talked to them. And the long story short is this. She asked me to pray for her family. I felt like the Lord wanted to heal somebody. And so I was like, hey, does anyone here need healing? And, and one of the girls spoke up and she was kind of freaked out that uh, somehow we knew about it. So I said, something in the lower back. And, and I just threw that out there, man. I, I, let me just be real. I wasn't like super prophetic in that moment. I was like, you need healing in your lower back? I don't know. And she's like, 
she started freaking out, and she's like, yeah, actually, I would, and then she said something somewhere in the conversation that I was just saying that my back was hurting. I was like, hey, let's pray for you. So we put our hands on her. We pray. We command the back to be healed in Jesus' name. I said, test it out, and she does one of these, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> like, I'm talking about bug eyes, and she's, and I was like, where's the pain? And then she, the, all the pain disappeared out of her back, and Jesus healed her. It was awesome. Yeah, you can give God praise. Come on. And it was awesome. But here's the catch. This is my favorite part. Her eyes got all big, and then all of a sudden, the goodness of God really hit her. She's like, I just got healed, and she starts crying in the parking lot over there. And we're like, oh, give her hugs, give her hugs. This is the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God. And some of us, we, we, we can hear things that are like, oh, well, you know, God's giving me this sickness to teach me a lesson. We're like, no, 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 God's good. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's in that category. You know what I'm saying? And life is in God's category. It's so easy for us to just delineate God is good. He doesn't cause natural disasters. He doesn't give sickness. He doesn't kill people. He doesn't do stuff like this because he is, he's good. Are you, you're not, I'm not sure if you're, you're agreeing with me, but it's okay. The scripture said he's good. I remember one time Rochelle and I were feeling bummed out because some of our friendships were kind of, I don't know, they're just falling apart. This is a few years ago. And some of our friendships were falling apart. We actually felt like a little hurt by this. And I remember we're in our apartment and uh, we, just, we just joined hands just to pray and say thank you for our food. And the presence of God just showed up. We're like our little chicken and veggies chilling on the plate and rice because I'm Hawaiian and we eat rice with every single meal. And we're praying and thank you, someone gets that. The presence of God shows up and all of a sudden I was like, oh, all that stuff that I was going through didn't matter anymore because the goodness of God showed up. It changed my thinking. Like, it's okay. God's still with us. And, and I remember, uh, man, so many other times where I feel like a failure and God just comes and lifts me up because he's good. It's just the way he is. He is good. And it changes the way we think. Romans 2.4 tells us that it's not the wrath of God. It's not the fierceness of God. It's not the anger or the or the ignorance, or the, you know, not ignorance, but the ignoring of God that leads us to repent. But it's the goodness of God. And so many times I feel like we just, we want to like tell people like, you need to change, you know. But like, what if you just showed them good? And they find something, oh, that's a whole lot better than what I was thinking and doing. I will drop that and run towards good anytime. And that's what God uses to, to, to change the way we think and to motivate us. And the truth is that God is good regardless of circumstances. And that has to be a core value in our hearts and the lens through which we see him in life. No matter what we go through, high times, low times, hard times, stressful times, God is still good. Number three, God is love. God is love. God is creator, God is good, and God is love. First John four sixteen says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Love isn't just something that God does. It's something that he is. Man, I, I was thinking about this. You know, there's that famous 1 Corinthians 13 passage. You know, it's read at weddings and you've heard it probably, you know, it's, it's this might date me a little bit, but it's in that movie, I Walk to Remember. But anyway... Let me, just, let me just put this on the record. I like chick flicks, and I enjoy them, okay? Let me just throw that out there. I enjoyed Dear John, I, okay? I did enjoy The Notebook, and I also did enjoy uh, 
We just watched one. Oh, what is it called? The Longest Ride. Thank you. See, you guys. Uh, uh, if you don't know, those are all Nicholas Sparks. Uh, anyway, I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm not ashamed. I am awesome. No. God is love. It, let me, let me, okay, 1 Corinthians 14, back to the point. It says love is patient, right? Love is kind and all these amazing things. But when you get down to this part in this verse, this is what it says in the Amplified. It says love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening. Come on, man. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't seek its, seek its own. It's not rude. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. All these amazing things, but I love that. It is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Can you, can you think of that, man? Like God can search through the dirt of our lives and always find something good. He can search through the dirt of our stuff and, and man, we feel like failures. We feel like no one sees, no one cares. Does anyone even know that I'm going through this? I'm going to church. No one even knew to pray for me. You know, whatever it is, I'm going, through, I'm stressed out. No one's reached out to me. No one's helped me. And God sifts through all of that and finds something amazing. This is God. And so if God is love, then it's, then you can say, instead of love bears up under everything, you can say God bears up under anything and everything that comes. And God is ever ready to believe the best of every person. And, it's, and God's hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And God endures everything without weakening. God is not just doing love. He actually is love. And I love it, man. One time I was leading worship, uh, I don't know, this is not too long ago, maybe, maybe a year ago, whatever, somewhere in there. And I was really bummed, man. I, I was, it was tough for me. I was angry. I kind of, I think I, I think I just had a rough night the night before. So waking up kind of started me off already in a, in a junky mood. Uh, you know, we had a, we had kind of a rough time playing our songs, you know, some of the stuff in the booth wasn't working out the way I was hoping. Uh, the congregation seemed, you know, merely disinterested, uh, in anything that we were saying or doing. And as a worship leader, it, what you don't realize as a worship leader, you don't, what you don't realize is that when people stand up here, it's a very vulnerable spot. Uh, because if you don't follow them, th it's really vulnerable because they're pouring their entire heart out. And if you don't go with them, it's like, okay, here's my heart, just stare at me. You know, it's like, it's a real vulnerable like situation. And you don't realize that until you stand in that position. And I'm just letting you know, like, so this was a, I was already having a rough day. And, and I actually, you know, sometimes I want to get snappy and sometimes I want to say mean things to people just because, like, I'm hurting. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, whenever, whenever you're hurting, usually, you know, whenever you snap at people, it's because you're actually hurting or you're afraid about something. And I was hurting. And so, uh, but this time I kept my, I just shut my mouth. <laughs> I've learned <laughs> it's better to not say anything. And so we prayed with the worship team in the back and this is on Sunday. And I was walking back out there. I get out the door. And I'm bummed. I'm, I'm already, I'm already bummed, but I'm already, I'm also getting hard on myself because like, I thought like, man, I sucked. I must've, I must've messed up and must've not been doing a good job and da da da. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I'm my own worst critic and I'll beat myself up probably more than the devil will. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of how this thing works with me. And I'm walking away and I hear the voice of God and I hear him so clearly just say, I'm proud of you, son. And I'm like, proud of what? <laughs> 
And then he says, he says, I'm really proud of you because you didn't blow up on anybody. <laughs> and for me, it was the world. Because there's been so many times where I've been so snappy and wanted to rip people up with my words. Hey, it happens. But I stopped and I just, it's like, okay, I'm walking away. And out of all of my mess, out of all my insecurity, out of all of my like shame and my frustration, God sifted through all of that and found the one thing that I did right. I wonder if we would open our ears and take a moment to just listen how dad feels about us. We might hear the same thing. That he's love. And love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. I remember another time I was, we were, we did a hometown revival missions trip. Are you still okay? Are you with me? Are you guys good? We, were, we did a hometown revival mission trip. So we, we'd go to the nations, but per, this particular trip, we did a week here in our, in our own city and Dom was there. Hey, and, uh, and, and others as well, but, um, <laughs> and we had like a team building meeting about a couple weeks before that. And we're sitting in a room and I said, hey, Dano, can you just do like a, some kind of team building exercise as one of the team members? I'm like, oh. He's like, okay. And so we sat around. Again, I, let me just say this. Let me clarify it real quick. I don't always have these bad days, but, you know, but when I do, no. Anyway, that was a meme. Uh, but I was having another bad day, okay? So this was another rough day. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you about all my bad days, but here we go. I was having another rough day, and I had to go and lead a meeting. So I'm like, Dan, can you do this, like, team building exercise or whatever? Again, didn't feel very loving, didn't feel very patient, actually uh, didn't want to talk to anybody. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm going through stuff, I just want to hide in a corner, you know what I mean, and get away from any human interaction, you know what I'm saying? Like, get away from me. I'm going to play my worship song and worship God because he's perfect and all y'all are not, you know? Like, <laughs> just being real, you know. But... I'm a leader, and leaders have to, you know, basically uh, make sacrifices. And so we went to our team meeting, and I was singing worship and the whole thing. And then Dan's like, oh, here's what we're going to do. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to do this. I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit, what, say, say, Holy Spirit, what do you think I'm good at? And I'm like, whatever, you know, whatever. I didn't even think, honestly, I don't, I don't remember too clear, but I don't, I'm not sure if I even thought any, I was going to hear anything. But we did the exercise, sitting there on the little piano stool or whatever, and, I, and then uh, I said, Holy Spirit, like, what am, I, what am I good at? And then again, he's like, you love really well. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I want to punch everybody right now. <laughs> and he said, you love really well. Let me, let me, just, let me just back up. I, I, I personally don't think I love really well. I'm, and, I, and I get that. Like I, you can come up to me and encourage me afterward. Or so I, this, is the, this is the prophetic culture that we're in. I'm going to have like words. There's going to be so much good prophecies after this message. But uh, <laughs> I get that. But personally, I, I'm working on it. Like I'm, you know, like love is patient. That's the first one. I'm still working on the first one. You know what I'm saying? Love is patient, kind, da-da-da-da. I'm still on the first one. You know what I mean? Like I, I'll probably be on that for some time. 
And for God to cut through all of my trash and all of my doubt and all of my unbelief and all of my like failure to actually believe truth for my life, he cut through all of that with the sword of the spirit and just said, hey, son, you love really well. Ah, love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. You get it? This is what love is. And so this all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God who's in charge of the whole entire universe chooses to see good in us, and he found something worth dying for. It's like that old song uh, Chris Tallman used to sing, Indescribable. You see the depths of my heart, and you love me the same. You hear that? You are amazing, God. You remember? (laughs) Indescribable, uncontainable. And then he says this line, you see the depths of my heart and you love me the same. You are amazing, God. Wow. You let that sit on you for a little while. You see the depths of my heart and you love me the same. Last thing is this. And we already, we already got there. God is Father. God is creator. God is good. God is love and God is Father. And so Jesus, like I said earlier, was teaching his disciples how to pray, and he said, this is how I want you to address God. I want you to say, our Father. And then he goes on to say, when he's talking about God, Matthew 7, verse 9, he says, think of it this way. If your son asked you for bread, would you give him a stone? Of course not. You would give him a loaf of bread. Is this, you have the voice up there? Yeah, next verse. If your son asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? No, to be sure you would give him a fish, the best fish you could find. So if you who are sinful know how to give your children good gifts, how much more so does your father in heaven who is perfect know how to give great gifts to his children? God is creator, God is good, God is love, and God is father. And if there's one thing that Jesus taught about God, it's that he's a father. And fathers play such a huge role in our lives. We get our identity from them. That's why your last name is what your last name is. We get our sense of value. We get our affirmation from them. And fathers give us at least three things. They give us affirmation, they give us direction, and they give us correction. And that's what good fathers do. Good fathers will give you all three of those. They will affirm you, they will give you guidance, and they will also correct you because that's what good dads do. And so sometimes we we misunderstand the love of God and we say like, oh, love is just mushy and it gives me anything I want anytime I want it. But like, no, that's bratty stuff. You know what I'm saying? But love actually helps you in life. Love doesn't just enable you to continue in your problems. Love empowers you to get out of them and changes you into a new person. It's what God does, and fathers give that. And the implication for us that God is Father is that we are children. And, and, I, and I quoted this earlier, but Romans 8.15 says that you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. And God gave us this spirit in our hearts. And so now you get the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God who's in charge of the entire universe. He knows stars by name, the number of how many there are. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He is good and he is love and we get to call him daddy. That's just the way it is. And all the purpose, all the identity, all the destiny, all the beauty, all the goodness and all the love is yours because you're his kid. And no matter where you come from, I believe that there's a longing inside of you because if he's father, that means your son or your daughter. And that means when he speaks, something comes alive in you. 
You with me on this? You were made for God. He is, he, you were made to be with him. You were made to know him, to walk with him, and to be close with him. I'm going to close, and I want to just show this video clip by a, there's a Christian comedian named Michael, uh, Michael Jr., and, uh, and then we'll, we'll come up and make sure the, the volume and all that stuff is ready to go. You good? Do you have to drag it over, dude? Okay. Yo, comedian Michael Jr. here. As you know, I just flat out enjoy doing comedy. But one of the things I love way more than that is being a dad. Not too long ago, I'm going through some video footage, and I run into this video of my youngest daughter being born. Now, of course, I was there. I actually took the video, but I had never really experienced it from this perspective before. Now, look, we're in the hospital room. She's uh, sticky, and she's baby and all that stuff, and she's in the middle of crying. And then I speak up. I start talking to her, and watch how she responds when she hears my voice. Okay, Portland, look, I'm right here. It's okay, it's okay. I'm right here, I'm right here. We're doing just fine. It's okay, it's okay, I'm right here. Right here, yeah, it's okay. It's okay, baby, it's okay. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> so check it. A few minutes later, uh, the nurse starts working on her, puts her pamper on her, and uh, I'm not saying anything, and she actually starts to cry again. Then I speak up, she hears my voice, and stops crying, like again. But I want you to notice what else happens after I tell her that I love her. Portland, it's okay. It's okay, it's good, it's good, it's good. I'm right here, I'm right here. I am right here. I love you, I love you. I'm right here. It's okay. It's okay. That's just phenomenal. <laughs> like, whoa. Here's the thing. We'll always have times where we're not as comfortable, probably even to the point of tears, where life is just heavy. The key thing to do in those moments is to be still and listen for the Father's voice because he is trying to talk to you. And I can tell you what he wants you to know is that he loves you. All you got to do is open your eyes. Happy Father's Day. Let's all just stand together.